is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, Michigan basketball on a three-game winning streak for the first time since when? I mean, maybe the early, early parts of the season when they played like three exhibition games. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the exhibition games, but for the first time this season, in the you know in the regular season, not counting right. exhibition. It's a three-game winning streak for the first time this season, uh, which, I don't know, ironically comes off of the heels of the first three-game losing streak this season. So Michigan had not won or lost uh, more than two in a row until uh, the end of the year. UCF started a streak of three losses in a row, and then Michigan got it turned around against Maryland. And now we're looking at three wins in a row. I was surprised to see the three wins thing, which I guess, you know, looking back, maybe it's not all that surprising. But, you know, it's a team that had so high of expectations coming into this thing. And then, you know, playing really well in the first couple of games of the season, losing to Seton Hall, losing to Arizona, North Carolina. Like, I don't know, doesn't it seem like that was just forever ago? It does. I mean, this, I think anytime you're, what are they, 10 and 7 now? I think anytime you have seven losses and, you know, what is now end of January, it probably makes the, the season feel longer just because you're you're not used to that kind of losing. You know, seven losses at the end of the season is a lot different than, you know, what was seven losses early January, basically. And then, you know, losses in a row. Um, and, and then the way they've been playing, even in a couple of wins. Um, so, you know, credit for scrapping one out against Northwestern. But, you know, to, to be celebrating and, and dare say that this team is hot with a three-game win streak, though, you know, at least the, the Indiana uh, win at Bloomington was, you know, impressive. It's uh, it's unique territory to, to be in as a Michigan basketball fan. You know, we're, I guess you could say a Michigan basketball fan has been blessed in the last decade basically now. We sure uh, have, yeah. And, you know, th- there's up and down moments, and there's been a couple of, you know, seasons. Like, you know, Juwan Howard's first season wasn't all that successful and ended in a pandemic, uh, canceling the, you know, the, the ability to even play uh, conference tourneys. Uh, you know, last season, a, a team that had a lot of playmakers, you know, probably played above expectations throughout sometimes during the season. And then, like you said and alluded to, this season you, you expect big things with a big recruiting class, but you know, you lost a lot of talent to the NBA and, and, and a guy like Franz Wagner, especially, you know, a quality candidate for a rookie of the year in the NBA, you know, he wasn't always that guy, you know, in, in every game last season, though, there were even times where people were disappointed with his level of play, but you know, to, to know that they've lost that and Isaiah livers and Shondi Brown and Mike Smith, who we were, kind of selfishly hoping Devontae Jones would turn into. It's kind of expected, but still, the season's been surprising. So, you know, three wins in a row is a lot better than what we've seen this season. You know, they're at least over 500 now, but, you know, it's going to be a bumpy road the rest of the way, I would imagine, just like it has been so far this season. What does it mean when somebody is plus 1,000 to be NBA Rookie of the Year? Does that mean... I I don't know what that means. 
what do you just have to the bet? Ads. I mean, I'd have to see, I'd have to see the the entire <laughs> entire list there. But basically, you know, consider it ten times your money. Really? That's ten times. What's just the uh, what's the old list? What's, what's the old list looking like right now? What what is plus one thousand? Well, Where's that put you? So he's got the fourth best odds here to win rookie okay. of the year. Cade Cunningham, who I imagine a lot of people uh, who listen to this are are high on, is the third best odds. Scotty Barnes, then Evan Mobley. Uh, I, but I, like in terms of what you bet and what you win, I don't know what any of this means. So Franz Wagner, I mean, to me, I'm reading this plus 1,000, but literally I don't know what that means. You could make, you know, depending on what you want to put down, you can make some some quick cash you know it's okay it's late enough in the first half of the season where you know i mean there's a lot of season left you know you're not even to the all-star break but that's true i'd I'd say that's that's not a bad uh it's not a bad bet there like could i I put 15 bucks on him like is a safe thing is that... I mean, it, it depends how you value fifteen bucks. You know, there, there's people <laughs> okay. that will only play parlays. Well, they'll they'll line up bet after bet after bet after bet. You know, throw a dollar on it and hope to make hundreds. I don't okay. know, there's people that you know go for more of a straight up bet uh, and try to try to get the best odds. But you know, plus one thousand is is about as good odds, favorable odds, and in, in terms of you know, you're not gonna find that on an average night betting an NBA game or you know even betting a Michigan basketball game. Know, going to be a little less than that unless the team's a complete underdog so okay. you know i would say underdog status but man the way franz wagner has been playing and again just to relate that to it's easy to forget how much talent and how much production and then i can't remember if it was in the indiana game or what game it was mentioned but something like you know what i think they mentioned 80 or some percent of of three point um, made field goals yeah. that were lost and yeah. you you know you no longer have to scratch your head on on why they're struggling you know you lost some of your your best shooters by far uh and a guy like isaiah livers who has always been a good shooter even when his role um you know wasn't as elevated um and so yeah i mean this is a team that lost a lot they've got the right talent i think they do honestly have some of the right pieces you know Devonte jones has been playing better eli brooks found a groove uh, for a little bit there last night, had his own personal 9-0 run, which was good to see. The crowd, you know, was there last night, uh, pretty electric. Um, I will say though about last night's game, the crowd, well, with 42 fouls or whatever it was, that didn't help. <laughs> but the crowd came in like they were colder than they've ever been in their life because it was freezing out. Oh. And so I feel like everybody was literally, you know, kind of like frozen, and yeah. it's almost like. You know, teeth were chattering, lips were sealed, and it, everyone took a little while to warm up. You know, there wasn't a lot to cheer about, and not the game that you wanted to watch against a Northwestern team that seems like you should beat handily if you're on a hot streak. But, you know, you scratch and claw, and a missed buzzer beater at the end by Northwestern means third win in a row. So I guess you celebrate those things in January. What was uh, the last, like, couple minutes like? Like, from the time Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate foul out like in the crowd what's it like a lot of frustration with the foul outs especially because like probably were at least for those maybe not hunter dickinson's but 
you know, those calls were that were both players fouled out were a couple of the weaker calls that at least were called against those two. Um, so you're extra frustrated. You're, you know, you, you just saw Michigan go like what felt like 25 real minutes without making a basket and <laughs> turn the ball over, you know, missing or turning the ball over was really the only uh, thing that they were doing for a while there. <laughs> but I would say that five minute mark when Joan Howard called a timeout, you know, four, three minutes, you know, you lose a couple of players. Uh, Jaron Falls is in there and you yeah. are just kind of like a nervous energy I mean you know uh Terrence hits a three Caleb Houston hits a three you know it, it was really loud I mean Chrysler Center gets really loud louder than I think it has in the past you know I, the the best beeline years were loud the John Howard energy in there when they're playing well with the you know type of players they have like a Caleb Houston who's highly touted you know the energy is is very electric in there so yeah, that last minute though felt like it took 20 minutes as well. Um, you know, timeouts, the fouls, the the missed free throws by giving up the offensive rebounds. Maybe one of the more frustrating games I've seen, and probably definitely the most frustrated I've been at the Chrysler Center, just because it, you know, we didn't go to watch the refs, and it felt like that. And I'm sure both <laughs> teams felt that way. Yeah. What time did you get home? You know, the game is 6.30, and it did not end at 8.30. Like, usually it would be around there. You know, with the 35-minute drive, it's probably home closer to 10. Okay. Had a little That's cold walk back to Ann Arbor Pioneer High School. <laughs> uh, freezing your buns off, you know, starting the car as early as you could, you know, beeping it until you heard it start. Huddling up next to the strangers next to you to, to get some warmth. Uh, Man, I've yeah, never I been mean, to... You, in arbor at a time like that it's uh inside is worth it yeah that even the shortest walk to the to the arena man it's uh it's a it's a brutal one especially when it was five degrees or whatever it was last night uh sunday i feel like i'm vindicated earlier in the season i talked about how michigan's best offense conventionally you think it's like oh you've you give Hunter Dickinson the ball and let him go to work. And I'm like, mm, not quite. You play through Hunter Dickinson, meaning he's not necessarily the one who takes all the shots, but he's distributing. And I feel very vindicated, especially against Indiana. And then, uh, you know, the first half against Northwestern, it was definitely there. But the fact that teams don't really know how to defend him. Like, if he gets good enough position and you're just going one-on-one, he's got you. You're done. Uh, if he if he gets it, you know, 10, 12 feet from the rim and, and you double him right away, he's he's patient and calm enough that he's going to find an open shooter. And I so I feel very vindicated in the fact that I think this offense works best just running through him, whether he's scoring or not. And I feel like the last two games have definitely demonstrated that. Um, but then I think the the remaining X factor is Eli Brooks because like he you know pointed out he had that nice 9-0 run by himself which is which is awesome but it seems like if he's the guy who can like get going uh, you know kind of back to the way he was like just a, a, a sharp shooter somebody who's good around the rim distributing the ball like if he can get back to that it feels like Michigan 
has taken that next step. And I don't know, that seems like the only real next phase of evolution for this for this season's team. But uh, and it seems weird because you know he's such a veteran guy. If you had to guess in the beginning of the season, you'd be like, well, of course Eli Brooks has has got it all together, and we're waiting on other players to kind of figure it out. But right now, I feel like if Eli Brooks is is that guy who takes the next step, like that's then the next step for Michigan. Yeah, you know, one of the things I noticed, and the game looks a lot different in person, obviously, than it does on TV, just especially depending on where you're sitting. We were kind of in the corner, uh, you know, 15 rows up in the lower bowl, but then they have, you know, the floor seats in front of that and places for the cheerleaders and stuff. Um, you know, the the offensive game plan, and, and probably because of the way Northwestern, you know, schemed things up defensively, like it looked so much different than – what was working against Indiana, you know, Hunter Dickinson hit an incredible amount of threes. It felt like, you know, didn't even really have those opportunities. Um, the ball should always go through him. And I felt like when they were getting him the ball is whether he thought he could take his man every time, or I don't know what the case was, but it, it looked like he was just, you know, trying to back down to the basket. It didn't look like he was able to, to pass the rock around. Like you saw him swinging the ball so well against Indiana. And it almost is like they sh- like Michigan shells up when when a team has a better defensive plan against them, and then when they do go on those runs, it's almost like they're looking ahead. Um, just the energy on the bench, um, you know, it just it's it's kind of a weird season, uh, you know. And being in person for the first time for me this season, um, not like alarming, I guess I, I wouldn't say it's alarming, but it just felt it felt odd when when things weren't going well. Um, and they lost that lead and then also went down, you know, six to seven points. Like the energy just died. You know, the energy was dead in the arena. Uh, you know, all of Chrysler Center was quiet. Again, there's a lot of whistles, so that doesn't help. Uh, the bench mob wasn't as active. Uh, <laughs> but when, you know, they got punched like they did and, and the way they responded, which we did not see early in the season, you know, they ultimately found a way to win that game. So I think, you know, it goes through Hunter Dickinson this weekend to beat Michigan State. But yes, a guy like Eli Brooks to, to hit a couple of shots, to get a big steal and an and one opportunity. Uh, he's got to find ways to, to hit those open shots. Uh, but more importantly, you know, Michigan's got to continue to shoot the three well. This is a much better offensive team heading into this Michigan State matchup uh, than they were, well, which would have been heading into the first matchup. Uh, and the road doesn't get any easier. You know, you, you've got the rescheduled Purdue game. And I think they're going to play Purdue twice in like five days. Uh, I think the rescheduled date is like two days after a road visit at Penn State. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to get uh, pretty grueling here pretty quickly. I think they won two out of three games they should have won, and then they found a way to beat a hot Indiana team, one of the best defensive teams in, in the league, and one of the toughest places to play. So they, they've done what they've needed to do. But, yeah, this weekend I think will will show a lot. Did they have the fight, um, you know, when they get down? Because Michigan State is absolutely going to punch them in the face. Uh, and can they respond and, and hang in there? Or can they find a way to get up early? Uh, that's one of the things that, you know, you've heard the players say is, you know, we've been getting punched in the mouth a lot. You know, can we deliver the first punch? So they're hitting shots and everything's going through Hunter Dickinson. I think they have a chance to, to win. But, you know, Michigan State, even though they lost to Northwestern at home uh, and just lost to Illinois, that's going to be a tough team to beat because you know it just always is that's kind of what Michigan Michigan State basketball is all about yeah uh, going through February 12th you're looking at 
at Michigan State, home against Nebraska, at Purdue, at Penn State, home against Purdue, home against Ohio State. One of those Purdue games, the the, the one on on the tenth, is the rescheduled one. Uh, that's a that's a very significant stretch when you're talking about you know is this an NCAA tournament team and whatnot. I I don't know in the next you know couple weeks I guess that is like what do you need to see from Michigan to kind of convince you that yeah it is an NCAA tournament team even if they don't have everything figured out you know you're three games away from being 500 again and the 500 teams not making it to the tournament so you know you you've got to you've got to beat Nebraska uh it'd be awesome to split with Purdue it seems like this team would be good for that upset win, you know, the way they played against Illinois for a while without yeah. Hunter Dickinson was impressive. They just ultimately, you know, got beat on the road, uh, which, you know, was the expected outcome. At Michigan State, you know, obviously tough place to play. Uh, you have a chance to go in and win that game, but you got to take care of business in, in the games that, you know, this team with the talent it has should be taking care of business in. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough to beat the the ranked opponents uh, Michigan is so far from being ranked at this point unless they can continue this hot streak. But, you know, win more games than you lose in that streak. Uh, and by doing that streak of games and by doing so, you know, I think you are a tournament team, especially since you have Michigan State, Purdue twice, and Ohio State in that mix. If you can win the majority of the games, that means you're at least beating one of those teams. Uh, Derek, you can go to the Nebraska game. It's at home Tuesday, uh, February 1st, 9 p.m., for as low as two dollars are you gonna do it you know if it happens to be one of those 40 degree february days um but a tuesday before a busy wednesday at work probably not you know that's one of those it's just <laughs> gonna be i'd rather be under the blanket on the couch relaxing it would cost uh, you more to get to the game than to actually attend right oh yeah i mean just parking and i think I think the Purdue was going to be 9. I think it was rescheduled for a 9 o'clock tip. Uh, yeah, the couple oh, of home yeah. game options amidst, you know, quite a few road games as well. Um, yeah, I think the home options that are coming up next are, are all 9 p.m. So I, I think you will probably won't see me there. You know, again, if the game gets over at a decent time, you know, I'm home by midnight. But I don't know, man. That's not Nebraska. Maybe Purdue. <laughs> you have to keep us updated i'm telling you man like two bucks I, I i don't know i don't live there it's you know i'm just looking at two bucks and i'm like how could you not but i understand it's a 9 p.m on a on a weekday night i'm not gonna blame you for not going it's okay i mean the other thing too is it's and no offense this is a team that could beat Michigan, but it's Nebraska, man. If I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna <laughs> go gonna to say Chrysler that. Center at nine and potentially watch a loss, which keep in mind, last night looked like a loss for yeah several minutes in the second half, and it was like, oh my goodness, you start thinking about the cold walk back to the Jeep. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing? But yeah, probably probably gonna pass on Nebraska, but you know, I would also imagine that that Purdue ticket, because they're not going to sell out at 9 p.m. during the week. You know, I'd imagine that Purdue ticket, you know, night before when you do live that close, um, you know, probably pretty affordable as well. So if I'm going to try one, I'm going to lean towards Purdue as of now. Cool. 
No, that'd be good. Uh, we'll be back next week. I don't know. Maybe there's a football update or something like that. But, you know, for now, Michigan's a, on a three-win win streak, you know, trying to trying to get back into the NCAA tournament conversation. So that's what I want to focus on. But uh, we'll we'll get back next week, talk about everything that needs to be talked about. So take care out there and go blue. Go blue.